0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Thank you to my friends in the Advent family for inviting me here and trusting me in your pulpit. It's indeed an honor to be here and humbling to stand in this place. But we'll trust not in my words, but lean on those of God. We'll spend the majority of our time today in the Gospel of Luke. And we'll begin with this reading from chapter 9, and verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. As we journey with Jesus through this season of Lent, this is one of those powerful verses that reminds us that God's plan is playing out exactly as He's intended. Jesus is resolute. Jesus is focused. He has set His face to go to Jerusalem. This is God and man right before us. The Father and the Son together when the days Drew near for him to be taken up. God the Father is in control and this is going to happen. And then at the same time, he set his face. He's known where he was headed. He's certain about where this life is leading and yet we're reminded that he's fully God and fully man and fully in control. And he can change this path he's on and yet at the same time, he really can't. But in this passage, at this point, he makes it completely clear he's not turning back. There's no hesitation. Even knowing the opposition, the rejection, the suffering, the betrayal that's coming, he's sold out and fully committed to what's ahead of him. To borrow from a Robert Tepper song in that cinematic masterpiece Rocky IV, there's no easy way out. There's no shortcut home. And Jesus isn't looking for one. In this single verse, Luke reminds us that he's telling the entire story. From birth, through ministry, to crucifixion, to burial, to resurrection, and to the ascension. When the time drew near for him to be taken up. In everything moving forward from this verse with Jesus, there's a new urgency, a different Sort of intensity in his every action and every word in the chapters that follow with every exchange and every circumstance, we need to hear echoing this verse. When the days for him to be taken up were drawing near, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and then he sent out his disciples. When the days for him to be taken up were drawing near, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and then. He explained the enormous cost that was going to be involved if you were to be one of his followers. When the days drew near, he began teaching in parables. And he explained what a follower of Christ looked like by using the whole idea of a true follower. By using the despised Samaritan to show what a true neighbor was and how God followers are supposed to treat others. And then he told the story of the rich fool who has barns full of stuff and tears them down to build bigger barns to fill with more stuff. And we've seen that happen, haven't we? And says then to not be anxious for anything, but in everything trust him. And he describes the great banquet and an invitation that goes out and yet no one shows up can't really imagine that in the South, but the master then says, go out in the highways and byways and find the wretched refuse and find the outlaws and find the cast outs and the rejected. They're his folks. Bring them in. Because he doesn't have time for those who don't have time for him. And then he comes to chapter 15 with three illustrations that are all related. When the days for him to be taken up were drawing near, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And in the first two verses of chapter 15, we're told that the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling because this teacher of the scriptures was hanging out with the lowest of the low and eating with them. And so he wanted both groups to hear he tells the story of the shepherd who lost one sheep. Who among you loses one of your hundred and doesn't lead the other ninety-nine to find the one? And when you do, don't you celebrate? I'm telling you, heaven celebrates more over one repentant sinner than the other ninety-nine who don't need to repent. And just in case those with ears to hear don't, Jesus follows it up with the story about the woman who has the ten coins but loses one and she lights a lamp and she turns the place upside down to find that one missing coin and when she does, she celebrates. Now who hasn't done that in their own house when they've been looking for a missing toy that your kids lost? Or even the remote control. And Jesus says, in the same way, Helen celebrates Over the one sinner who's repented, even when there might be nine over here who have it all together. And then to really complete his message, Jesus offers a third image, one that many of us know well. There was a father who had two sons. And the younger one comes to his father and he says, Give me my share of everything that I'm supposed to get when you die. I want it now. I'm tired of your home. I want home on my own terms. I wish you were dead anyway. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. And so surprisingly enough, the father gives it to him, and we watch. And the father watches as the son turns his back and walks away. And the son converts it all to cash, and he travels, and he parties, and he spends it on ridiculous things and ridiculous people, and then it was gone and just like that the man who had everything now has nothing what he thought would bring happiness brought emptiness and gone are the friends and the followers and and now the economy and the country that he's in is tanked and the only place he can land is to be that of a laborer in the pig pen of a gentile farmer unclean upon unclean unclean and it says he was even so hungry that the pig slop was starting to look pretty good to him and the tax collectors and the sinners are listening and the Pharisees and the scribes are listening and the sun is as low as he can go he's at rock bottom and he's as far away from what he was looking for and as far away from his father as he could possibly be And then Jesus says when the son came to himself or as we might say came to his senses he thought I'll go back to my father's house. I'll ask him to hire me and give me a job. There I'll at least have something. He's going home. But in his mind he knows he doesn't have a home anymore. And that's where Jesus has everybody watching and listening right now. And he has in front of all of these people, the sun now turning toward home. And with all these low lives and riffraff gathered around Jesus, what could be going through their heads? I mean, why are they even here? To borrow from a current television ad, everyone's searching for something more, something bigger than themselves. They're seeking answers, respect, understanding. Justice, hope, someone to call a hero, inspiration, a place to call home. So many possibilities going on in these people's lives who've been told themselves that they're losers. And that there's not a thing that they can do to get themselves right with God. And that's right. But they've been told that by the scribes and the Pharisees who believed they had earned their place. And that was wrong. And Jesus wants them both to hear as He's getting ready to offer God's definition of all this. God's definition of a place to call home. And He tells them that before the estranged, sinful, younger son could even get on the property, his father who had been watching, who had been looking, who had been waiting, saw Him from a long way away and ran. And embraced Him and kissed Him and wouldn't let Him even begin His speech because it wasn't about the speech. It was about the return. It was about the repentance. It was about the change in His heart. The Father ran to the lost Son to take Him in His arms and welcome Him home to show Him the love and the mercy that the boy knew he didn't deserve. That the sinners and the tax collectors and the Pharisees and the scribes and you and I know he doesn't deserve. Some things never change. We're all searching for something more, something bigger than ourselves. Seeking answers, respect, understanding, justice, hope, inspiration. Someone to call a hero. A place to call home. Home. Chris Daughtry sings, I'm going home to a place where I belong, where your love has always been enough to me." But he contradicts himself because he also says in the same song that... I wouldn't change the life I chose, but these places and faces are getting old. Home, it's all Scarlet can think about on her journey back to Terra, only to find it almost unrecognizable compared to its former glory. Home, it's where Dorothy wants to be once she gets to Oz and is looking for a wizard to make it happen and only finds out that he can't do it. Home. Where we all wanted to be a few weeks ago, and some of us were stuck in cars, and in offices, and in schools, and in stores, and in malls. And there wasn't anything we could do to make it change. Home, where the older of the two sons stayed, but didn't appreciate it any more than the younger son Because he didn't appreciate the love and the grace of the Father either. Our version of home never quite measures. up. Home. Even as Jesus is teaching. That's where he's heading himself. That's why he set his face toward Jerusalem. Yes, he's going there to lay down his life so that every one of us has a chance to, to get back to God but then he's going home he's going home and when he gets there he's going to sit at God's side and he's going to make things right between the creator and the believers from now on and there's the truth that Jesus shared then and he's sharing now for those who can hear, for those who will hear there is an ideal home one flawless home, it really does exist and it really is always there a God stands in the doorway our God stands in the doorway for whoever has wandered whoever is weary whoever is hurt whoever is bitter, whoever is confused whoever has found that everything else is still not even a good substitute only Christ makes coming home possible for the least of us And for the best of us, because plenty of you are better than me, and that's still okay because Christ makes it possible for all of us. Without Jesus, we're still lost and we can't find our way back there to make our rejection of the Father right again. Only Jesus can do that, and only through Jesus can we get there. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Grace, God's favor that we don't deserve. That's why we call it amazing grace. In the words of Paul, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. While we are still sinners, and we ought to be getting the punishment we deserve, Jesus died for us anyway And because Jesus died for us, we can hear the psalmist remind us that God does not deal with us accordingly. When the days drew near for Him to be taken up, He set His face to go to Jerusalem to finish the job, to atone for all our sins, to make us clean when we're not, to rise from the dead and to go home while making a way For us to find a place to call home. And because He did. Our Heavenly Father searches and watches and waits and runs to take us in His arms. And pour out mercy and love for one sinner. For every one of all of us sinners. Who will finally come home. And He celebrates when we do. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised. Promise for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. Come home. Come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling. Oh, sinner, come home. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.